Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show Josh Taylor of Taylor Insolvency to talk all about how to buy distressed assets. So what to look out for, how to go through the process itself, and we also look at the difference between administration, liquidation, receivership, uh, and we get really stuck into how it is that you find out about these offers that are on the table and what you should be considering when you're making offers in relation to these distressed assets. So without further ado, here we go with our discussion with Josh. Josh, welcome to the Deal Room Podcast. It's so good to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Joanna. My I'm excited. absolute pleasure. Fabulous. So, of course, today we're all talking all about what to consider if you're looking at buying a business off an administrator or liquidator or a receiver um, and what you should be looking at in that process. So, let's kick it off, Josh, with firstly, well, why might someone want to buy buy a business off an administrator, a liquidator or a receiver? And what the hell is the difference between the three of them anyway? Let's start there. Okay. So why might is price. Price. Yeah. Generally speaking, you're no no longer dealing with the business owners anymore. You are dealing with an external third party whose job it is to sell that property and they are going to sell that property. Okay, uh, that business, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, when we talk about property, we mean business. But, hey, there might be a property attached to the business as well. You never know. It might be all of it. <laughs> and then and, and maybe, the, so let's sort of set this up, step one, step back. We, we're talking about here, um, you know, obviously a distress sale. Something's happened with the business. It's ended up in the hands of an administrator, liquidator or receiver. And somehow you've come across this as a potential purchase as a distress sale. Um, can can you just tell us, Josh, firstly, what is the difference between administration, liquidation and, and receivership? So it's the formal appointment, which is different. So it, it won't form much of a difference in the sale process. So from a purchaser, it won't make a huge deal of difference because that particular business is still for sale and it's still being sold by an external third party. A receiver is, generally speaking, appointed by a secured lender, like a bank. A mortgage hasn't been paid. They whip in a receiver and say, we want that business or that situation dealt with. We'll appoint you as receiver over those assets. Being Again, that business or whatever that situation is. Could be a boat, could be anything. An administrator is appointed by the directors of a company to look at the future of a business. Usually speaking, administrators don't look to immediately sell a business because they're still looking at trying to keep a business going. Okay. But you might see them, you might see them selling, selling business in certain circumstances. A liquidator can be appointed by both the creditors through the court process for an unpaid debt. Or it can also be appointed by the director where he doesn't see any 
deal possible to keep that company alive. So it's just the appointment process. But the the sale process tends to be very similar for all three, certainly for an administration or a liquidation. It's pretty much the same. The third party, it's still the same sort of firms that are that are doing these sales. So you're gonna you're gonna see similar sort of outcomes. Yep. Okay. So I guess first question, what is it that's different about buying a business in this situation to a normal situation? What maybe talk us a little bit about the process because, um, you know, in um, some components of this process, there might need to be approval sort from others as well. So maybe if we talk through that process, Josh. Sometimes uh, an administrator or liquidator will look for unsecured creditors' approval. I think they might have done something in Channel 10 when Channel 10 got moved to the American NBC or or CBS or whichever one they ended up selling it to. For the most part, a receiver sale won't look too much for approval because they'll already have their terms set out with with the appointor. For example, a bank will say, I, I want to appoint you over business A, and we won't accept anything below X dollars or we will take market value, whatever market value is. So there's not going to be much slowdown from a negotiation point of view. With an administrator or liquidator, depending on how low those offers are, an administrator or liquidator might be concerned about being sued because the numbers are so low. So they will look at they will look at covering their backside, so to speak, and they'll put it to creditors and say, look, we're looking at doing this. If anybody has any complaints or wants us to go into a different direction, let us know. Uh, otherwise, that's what we're doing. Or they might call a meeting and, and put a resolution to creditors. From a buyer's perspective, usually uh, the seller will be pretty transparent about that if that process is required. Uh, and I'd say for most cases, it probably won't be required. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't yeah. stress too much about that. It, it's more. I think from a buyer's perspective, it's about identifying the assets when they're up for sale because we usually use pretty specific types of websites and, and selling situations. And so tell I us did. a bit about that, Josh. What, what, what are the specific websites and selling situations that generally you'll use? So the website that I like and I use often is resolve.expert. It was set up by some gentleman who used to work in insolvency, I think, at Deloitte, and they saw a gap in the market that there wasn't much by way of a distressed businesses-type selling portal. So that works really well for me. I see lots of other liquidators use that. You see uh, liquidators go through brokers who are very active in the insolvency space those brokers are people like Link um, and Exclusive, and ones that are often reaching out for this type of business sale work. So if you stay connected with those sorts of brokers, you'll often see distressed assets sale. Okay, great, Josh. So what is it that our buyers of these distressed assets should be particularly looking out for then? So the first thing you should be looking out for is do you have sufficient working capital or cash flow to inject into the business after you've purchased it? And and that's the same for any sort of business sale, but in particular for a distressed asset sale because it probably isn't making any profits. Even if you scale it right back and are very aggressive about how you run and cut costs, 
it's going to need some money put into it in all likelihood because if it was just a simple, simple fix, it's probably already been tried by the previous operators of the business and it's just a simple issue of capital for most of these situations. So whilst the business is cheap, you should budget it as to the cost of the whole acquisition and unlike any other acquisition, you should have a higher amount proportion, I'd say, in this sort of small to medium size, I'd say, look anywhere at sort of what it's costing you from the administrator, or liquidator or receiver, look at putting that much in again is a good sort of base yeah. guide. Yeah. And and I guess it's also important, you know, it's important to go in with your eyes wide open. Obviously, there was an issue that um, caused it to run into, um, you know, cash issues or whatever the reason for it to be in administration or insolvency. Um, So it's about understanding that and then ensuring that you've got a way, you know, a clear path for how you think you can do it differently in the business. But but it's interesting where, um, you, you know, as we're recording this, um, there's been some news that's come out today in relation to a um, dental roll-up that uh, with Smiles Inclusive and its branded practice chain of Totally Smiles that is currently in administration and the administrators who are Deloitte's uh, today have announced that they uh, estimate that they'll be able to make $9.2 million from practice sales. So selling these practices 16 of which are going to one large buy, but 21 of those sales are to individual purchases. And I wonder how many of those individual purchases were actually the um, dental practices that sold into them to begin with. So I guess if you're looking at these large scale, you know, opportunities for acquisition, um, you, you know, potentially people who are going in and, and buying these practices are either A, the people who would run the practices in the past, or B, dentists who understand the business and understand the practice. And maybe that's, um, I, I think that's an interesting backdrop to the conversation that we're having today, because of course, it talks about the way in which this can work for um, if you as a buyer going in and buying a distressed asset, but also um, the, the question about how the, the extent of your understanding of the industry that you're buying into when you're buying into this distressed asset so that you have a clear path for how you're going to do it differently to, um, you, you know, the previous owner. Yeah, 100%. So just going to smiles uh, and the same with any distressed asset sale, you first, when you look at those numbers that you've mentioned, you think, well, that's that's going to be cheap for an individual dentistry practice mm. looking, looking like a couple hundred grand when... Oftentimes, Smiles was probably paying one to two million plus for these same things when they bought them way back when. The best person to buy a business is the people who have previously ran that business, currently run that business, or were an employee of that business or an employee of a competitor of business. Mm. Just because you are good at business doesn't mean that you will be good at every business. And you can get less value if you spread yourself too thin working on something just because you thought it was a bargain. There's a reason why things are priced that way. But if you were one of those Smiles employees looking to go to the next level in your career or one of those previous dentistry practice owners, then I'd 100% be in there trying to get an arrangement uh, and and get your practice back for a tenth of what you sold it to them for. 
And and it's interesting. So, what is the process? Obviously, um, you must sometimes have these um, these businesses coming, and, and and one of the ways that you look to um, liquidate the assets is to sell the business or the components of the business that you can. What's the process that you go through? You've talked about listing on sites like Result Expert and using brokers in the process. Are there any? Do you, do you sort of have a checklist of things that you might go through in terms of identifying people or entities that might be, you know, possible buyers? Yeah. So all insolvency practices will have a list of people who are interested in picking things up cheap and usually depending on which brokers you go through and which selling agents you go through, you'll give them instructions to do a targeted advertising campaign at that particular in that particular section of the market. So you'll ask well, if we can get an email list of dentists, let's send it out to every dentist out there that we're selling dental practices cheap. Interestingly, the creditors often are good buyers. So if you go in the construction space uh, and sort of manufacturing, say you're manufacturing materials and you're a brick manufacturer and you've got to get, I don't know how you make a brick, sand and water or whatever it is, <laughs> but, you, but you get your sand from somewhere and the guy selling you sand, a big part of his business is selling sand to this particular brick manufacturer and then he sees that brick guy's going under. If that brick guy disappears, he's he's then got to work out who he's going to be selling his materials to. Whereas he might be interested because he has he's in a similar space, he might understand enough about that game to transition across. I wouldn't recommend a liquidator or a solicitor necessarily transitioning across because we've just advised on a particular business, but somebody who's in a similar sort of part of the supply chain who often end up creditors and suppliers, they're often a good target for a liquidator to sell to. Yeah, right. With these things, it's more a big thing is timing. Yeah. So usually there'll be an expressions of interest campaign. And then at the end of that campaign or shortly thereafter, there'll be fierce negotiations with just a couple of parties who, who seemed like they were the most interested. And so I'd 100% recommend if you're dealing with a distressed sale, don't muck the liquidator around with stuff like vendor finance or right. sort of long-term sort of things. It's it's just not that type of sale. There's a reason why the price is low. And in some practitioner is looking for cash. He's not looking for the highest possible figure in case you can line up 20 T's and I's and dot and cross them all yeah. and get all these duckies in a row. And it's you an must see situation. a lot of that. Um. You see a huge <laughs> amount of that. And people get frustrated because they think they've been in M&As before and they think that their deal is better than yeah. someone else's deal and they can't understand how they didn't end up the the winner, for want yeah. of a better term, of, of that particular sale but ultimately it's usually going to go to the person who offers the best upfront term. I think that's such a good point because I'm seeing a lot of information in the market at the moment about these you know there's a lot of courses for you know how to buy distressed business with no money down type stuff for one dollar you know and it's all about the deferred payment and um and 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 I think people misunderstand the way most deals, number one, are driven. I mean, there's opportunities to drive deals in certain ways, but also in, in the distressed asset market, when you're dealing with your liquidator, administrator, your receiver, coming with like ultimately your point that you're, you're after the upfront cash and so the best offer might be 
a lower amount, but just all upfront cash. And that's sort of that that's the driver. I think that's important for people to understand. Yeah. And I'd be wary of a website which is offering one dollar down for distressed businesses. And I I'd know, say right? that yeah. they're probably different types of businesses than what is coming from an appointee. So an appointee is selling something that actually exists and is a proper business. A lot of people will try and sell people jobs where they sort of sell them franchises which aren't set up right and you've got to get all the customers and you're not really buying anything. You're just signing yourself up for a franchise type agreement and just getting suckered into a lot of pain and suffering for no yeah, reason. Such a good point. The other one is, is if people owe a lot of money on their company, people, and there is ways people make money out of this, but they go in and take over the whole company at certain terms. And the, and it's and it's a distress sale in that it's not a normal sort of positive IPO or anything, or a normal positive situation. It's, it's, it comes from a place of negativity, but it's not distressed as in a third party is just getting rid of it. And the reason why a director of a company might want to do that is they want to get off the hook and they're putting you on the hook. And so I personally, unless you do that for a living, I'd be very wary of just doing a course and coming in and taking all that risk and all that liability because when you buy, when you get involved with a company, and you get the company's share structure and you get the company appointment as a director, you get all the risk for everything that's happened in the past. Whereas when you just buy a business, you're usually just buying the assets and the business itself without the risk. It's so uh, true. Some of this stuff I could it real I was just looking at some of it this morning. It's super scary because part of the idea is that you save costs by not using lawyers and accountants as well. No. I'm just whoa back, you know, because people forget that the risk isn't necessarily reflected in the purchase price. Risk can be completely separate and level of risk can be completely separate to, to what you're paying. So, you know, you might be buying a business that's not worth much, but that has a massive level of risk that's sitting in it that you're taking on board. And But but I guess what we're talking about here is the benefit in, in making an acquisition with your eyes wide open in a situation where you're taking on the assets, not the liabilities that sit in an entity where you're taking the shares and, and doing it with the correct advice behind you. So, you know, understanding that notwithstanding it might be cheap, you need to, you shouldn't shortcut the usual circuits in terms of making sure you understand what it is that you're buying, right? Definitely. Unless you want a shortcut to my office. I think <laughs> I think you've well you've said. got it. You've got to um, you've got to speak well to your said. accountant and your lawyer before you buy any. And then think about the cost of what you're doing in the time for a couple of grand to speak to an accountant or a lawyer and dot your eyes and cross your T's to make sure you're doing something right because so many people buy just crap or they buy themselves what is a liquidation or a bankruptcy in the future and sort of all sorts of health and relationship problems that come yeah. come along with making a bad decision and making you feel like you're a fool when you've just made a mistake yeah. and it just can affect everything. And I guess on that note, Josh, you and I um, recently recorded another podcast on our sister program, Talking Law, where we talked all about when things go bad. So maybe it's useful for you to have a bit of a listen in um, to that one as well. Not you, Josh. <laughs> 
you're on it, our listeners. But look, it's such an interesting discussion today about, um, you know, the opportunity in buying distressed assets, but also the sorts of things for you to think about as you're going into it. Do do you have any sort of last um, messages for our audience to contemplate, Josh, in relation to this topic before, um, before we leave them today? Just quickly, I'd say if you're interested in distressed businesses, I think there's value there. Be aggressive with your upfront payment and understand the problems that come with that business. Yeah. And if you do that and you're open-minded, I think there's certainly some money to be made there. Some money to be made. That's it. And and I'd say make sure you're doing it with your eyes wide open and don't just think because you're getting a good deal on the price that you then don't need advice along the way. So I think that's, you know, another important, important component um, of the whole discussion. I'd, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd get your accountant and your solicitor heavily involved. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, Josh, such a good discussion today. Really enjoyed talking to you. It's a, it's a really interesting topic because I think there is a lot of a, a lot of opportunity there. You've given us some great places to look. Um, and and maybe if you can leave our listeners with how they can contact you. What's your website? And well, of course, um, listeners, if you're running along the beaches, you're listening to this, or on your commute into work or home again at the moment have no fear. We're going to link straight through to Josh and his LinkedIn profile and and his website as well. But Josh, how do we find you um, if any of our listeners want to connect? Best way is probably via my mobile 0402737647. The office line is 0284883126. My email address is jtaylor at taylorinsolvency.com.au, website www.taylorinsolvency.com.au and we have an office in 175 Lower Gibbs Street in East Chatswood slash Roseville. Cool. And look, um, if we have any listeners who are interested or, or accountants who have clients who are interested in buying distressed assets, do you keep details of people? Is it worth them shooting a note to you and saying, this is what I'm looking for? It is worth shooting a note. Our current model doesn't differentiate between uh, sectors too much. You'll just be put on a list, and if something comes up, you'll you'll get the same blast that everybody else gets. Uh, but certainly, if you if you're looking at look, getting distressed assets, I'd spend half an hour one day and and send an email to a bunch of different uh, insolvency firms so you're on as many as you can. And I'd visit the that website resolve.expert. That that's where a lot of us list distressed businesses. So if you're looking for something more instant, they have solvent businesses there too, but you, you can tell the difference by who's the uh, vendor. If you, you see it. <laughs> There's a little giveaway, huh? <laughs> yeah, you see the logo <laughs> of an insolvency firm, then yeah, it's... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's going cheap. And that's, yeah, and, and then, you know, of course, there will be the um, the signal to you in terms of how you're structuring your offer as well. So, um, you know. No vendor finance. Yeah, no vendor finance. Yeah, that's right. Josh, just want to say a massive thank you to you for coming on the show today. It was really, really interesting. Thank you for having me, Joanna. This was fun. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room podcast, all about how to go about buying distressed assets. Of course, we were talking to Josh Taylor of Taylor 
insolvency. And if you'd like to find out how you can work with Josh, then just head over to our website or our show notes where you can find a link straight through to Josh and Taylor Insolvency. At our website, www.thedealroompodcast.com, you'll also be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you would love to listen to it in more detail. There, you'll also find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients are looking at buying or indeed selling a business and would like some great legal advice to help you along the way. And that's it. If you enjoyed what you heard today, then we would absolutely love it if you could pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. And while you're there, make sure you hit the subscribe button to hear more. And as I discussed with Josh on the show, we have another episode with me and Josh on the sister podcast of the Deal Room podcast called Talking Law. And in that episode with Josh, he and I discuss what to do when things go bad and how to get in early and why getting in early is so important. So make sure you check out that episode. You'll find a link to that in our show notes as well if you'd like to hear more about that topic. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. Thanks once again for listening in. You have been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au.